Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast presented by MyBookie. I'm Kyle Glazer. We have a great, great show for you today that I'm very excited about as part of our scout series. We've brought in former Indian scout and current University of Illinois pitching coach Mark Allen. Mark had not one but two players that he signed make their major league debuts, Julian Merriweather and Cameron Hill, both pitchers. He signed them for the Indians. Merriweather was traded to the Blue Jays for Josh Donaldson. He made his debut at Toronto. Hill made his debut with the Indians and is now a member of their bullpen. Mark not only signed these two and saw them make their debuts in the same year, but he signed them both as part of the same draft class in 2014. So a really great accomplishment for Mark, who has a long, long history in the game. He's a very, very successful coach, really specialized in working with pitchers, became a scout for the Indians, eventually moved into a pitching cross-checker role for them, and eventually a pitching coordinator role with them. He spent the 2019 season as the Giants pitching coordinator before returning to his roots as a college coach with the Illini. Mark was very, very gracious to join us today and tell us a little bit about what he saw in Julian Merriweather and Cam Hill. Before we get to Mark, a quick word from our sponsor, MyBookie. Uh, it's summertime, and at MyBookie, that can only mean one thing. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit, means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At MyBookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, and then some. The craziest sports sum of your lifetime is here. Simple. Make your picks. Win big. Collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with my bookies live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code BaseballAmerica and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. And again, promotional offer new customers receive a 100% deposit match. Double your deposit up to $1,000. Put in $100, get an extra $100 to play with. Again, that's MyBookie. And make sure and use the promo code BaseballAmerica to double your first deposit. And we're pleased now to be joined by Mark Allen. Mark most scouts dream of getting one player to the majors. Sometimes they get you know a couple over the span of a few years or a few different draft classes. You got two players from the same draft class to make their major league debuts this year. What was that like for you seeing not one, but two guys you signed this year get to the big leagues for the first time in the same calendar year? You know, man, you, Kyle, you, just, you never, honestly, you just really never know, man. You never know. So what you're doing is you're going in, you're evaluating guys, you're looking at tools, you're looking at things that maybe maybe they project or they're a little closer to the big leagues at that time. And uh, you know, and, and I'll tell you this, you're you're only as good as your cross checker. So in order to draft a guy, typically a lot of times, at least back then, it might have changed by now, but or, or, or at this point. But I had a really good cross-checker at the time, and he was willing to hustle, and he was willing to, to come in and watch guys, even if they weren't famous or weren't well-known. And uh, uh, so, so a lot of that credit comes to the, comes down to that cross-check look. But it, it was uh, you got to be lucky, too, in the game of scouting, man. You can't, you, know, you can't always just go in, grade a guy out, and assume that they're big leaders. you got, you got to have some luck on your side. 
you're only as good as your player, you're only as good as your area. So there's some luck involved with it too. So I, I, I wouldn't want to take too much credit for that because it was a full full group effort with those guys. And uh, but but to see those guys make it solid solid human beings, excellent workers, and, and obviously they had uh, they had some things that, that uh, equated longevity and durability. So. Uh, that's probably what I'd say on that one. Then can't take all the credit for that, but it's a great feeling. So I want to start with Julian Merriweather. I actually have a, a personal story with Julian. I was at the 2016 Carolina League California League All Star Game in Lake Elsinore, and he comes out as a starting pitcher for the Carolina League. Now I had just joined Baseball America, so I knew some of the West Coast guys. I had never heard of this guy, and here's okay. this big, tall right-hander coming out pumping 97. Bye, guys. I'm like, who is this? I mean, this was a guy who just jumped out right away. You know, one of those guys, again, never heard of. You see him, and it was like, wow, this is really, really impressive. So I have to ask you, was your experience similar at Oklahoma Baptist, or was he, you know, not quite doing that yet? And what was the progression with him that led you to draft him? He, Jules was uh, was obviously an athletic kid. He had the long, flexible, very workable body. Uh, there wasn't a lot of, uh, there wasn't a lot of effort uh to the operation, uh, if you will, that's a that's a Bo Hughes line. He's a, a, a long time like a cross checker and kind of a guy with Cleveland. He always used to say that he's the operation. This was a very easy operation. Uh, two strikes, uh, breaking ball uh, wasn't the pitch at the time. It was more of a change up and the heater. And he would he would flash you ninety four. Like he'd show you a plus fastball, maybe a tick tick or two more better than a plus fastball. But he always threw strikes, and he had a little second stage like jump to it, a little hop on the end. Um, and but but the guy that you see now is a guy to me in my mind, knowing Jules is a guy that has been able to get through some nagging little injuries, whether it be knee stuff, whether it be um, arm, whether it be whatever it may be. He's continuously worked and kind of kept the pace. Um, and so, so to tell you the guy that's throwing now is the guy that we saw back then. It wasn't. The guy we saw back then was highly, highly projectable at the time. You knew the frame was going to fill out more. And then you also knew you had a very, very good athlete. Like Julian, a lot of people don't know this. Julian can actually jump jump out of the roof of a gym. Like he's a really good athlete, man. Really good athlete. So we felt like we got a good one right there. He was a senior sign at the time. And, uh, uh, and we, we valued it. And, and again, it goes right back to the group. Like, if we don't have a lot of our front office staff in on this, if we don't have the backing of uh, our leaders, um, then you don't get a guy like that. So it really is a cool story with Julian. So you mentioned Julian was a senior sign, and, and it's interesting because he comes from a, a pretty rich baseball background. He went to uh, Junipero Serra High School in San Mateo in California. That's the alma mater of Barry Bonds. Greg Jeffries, Jim Fragosi, former big league pitcher Dan Serafini. I mean, he came from a major program in high school, ended up at an NAIA school at Oklahoma Baptist. Yeah. You know, or it was an NAIA program at the time. How much does that play into it? Because especially with pitchers, sometimes, you know, the stuff is going to play, but you don't always know how it's going to play against better hitters when you're seeing someone at an NAI level. What's that process like of trying to project that? And then ultimately what gave you guys the confidence to pick him as high as you did in the fifth round? You know, I, I was hoping that we were going to get Julian. Uh, I really was. Um, but at the same time, 
to take him as high as we did again, that's a group effort. Like that's be that that's beyond my uh, parameters. Like that's got to, the, the help in a decision like that uh, and the support. It's got to come from above, even your cross checkers. Like that's got to be scouting director, assistant scouting director. That's got to be GM, assistant GM. Like everybody's got to uh, everybody's got to stamp that and. Uh, Julian coming from California, then ending up at OBU. I know for the Texas, Oklahoma area, the North Texas, Oklahoma area, one thing about that area is that you cannot sleep on NAIs. You cannot sleep on junior college programs. You can't sleep on some of the smaller, uh, if you will, universities or NCAA programs or even NAI programs because they're going to run. They're going to run somebody out of there. This a dude, whether it be a D1 transfer, whether it be a kid who kind of maybe slipped through the cracks and developed. So you can't sleep on those guys. And the one thing with Jules uh, was his junior year there, uh, in junior college, Julian was a, was a little bit of a late bloomer. Julian actually, one of the things I really liked about Julian is he took it upon himself to develop. He wanted to pitch. He wanted to uh, throw harder and and so he did some things independently going into his, uh, before, I guess it was after his junior year, going into his senior year, where he really started learning about his body. And he started learning about arm care. And he started learning about uh, arm strength and velocity. And that's what was so intriguing about him is he did a lot of this on his own. And then all of a sudden you start hearing rumblings like, hey, OBU, they got a guy. Plus they had a hitter at the time too, guy that could uh, – had some power and so you needed to go see him so then you go in and you hope you see a matchup you want to see the big hitter but you also want to just check uh on this picture that they have and, and that's kind of the way that whole thing started and then of course i followed up with their assistant coach at the time and talked to him about makeup and then i met with the kid and i was pretty sold out once i met the young man and and like his progression and his his story uh it was it was pretty legit uh so it's hard not to believe in a young man like that so, sorry, long-winded answer there, Kyle. I'm sorry, but but uh, that's kind of the way that whole thing came about. Yeah, you mentioned that a couple of players drafted that year in 2014. Uh, Matthew Page was a 10th rounder to the Nationals. Uh, Ivan Vila was a, a 21st rounder to the Dodgers. I mean, you mentioned I think immediately like Ramon Laureano, another Oklahoma area junior college standout, different school. But you're right that NAIA JC uh, realm in that area is is always pretty rich. With Julian, you mentioned that senior year is when you really start to see things come together. When was the first time you had seen him and taken note of him? I I passed by him. Uh, it was uh, OCU is another really, really good uh, NAI in Oklahoma, like historically. And I had seen OBU, because that's kind of one of the things you want to do as a scout, is you want to try to match them up with some of the better competition, see how these guys play. Um, and I saw him as a junior, but it was more in the range of like an 86 to a maybe 88. Not quite there, but you like the body. And I only saw him for just a brief uh for just a little bit. Um, and then, it was, of course, it was on to OU or on to OSU or whatever it was. But um, I would say he earned all that his senior year, a thousand percent. Like, uh, he was kind of a little bit of another guy um, that you kind of pay attention to. You hope it ticks up. Maybe it doesn't tick up. But at the same time, 
you don't want to sleep on him. And then he put in all the work between his junior and senior year. Uh, he put in an awful lot of work, man. And uh, and he was he was he was a guy. He was a guy for me anyway. So. Absolutely. Indians drafted him in the fifth round. I signed him only for $20,000. It was a, a well underslot bonus, senior signee. He goes out and then kind of starts moving level by level. Started at Mahoning Valley, did well. Spent his first year at Lake County, did well. Moved to Lynchburg in 2016, and that was when I saw him and had my who is this guy moment in that All Star game. Went up to Akron, did really well there. Um, but you mentioned some of the injuries started to come around. So 2017, he makes his way up to Columbus and really has a tough time in AAA. And then 2018, he misses the entire year, had Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. When one of your guys is, is cruising through the minors and all of a sudden they hit that AAA wall and a Tommy John surgery comes up, as a signing scout, does that make you nervous? I mean, what, what is that like for you? No. I, you know, the, the, the Tommy John and the injury uh, bug or, or all that kind of stuff, that comes along with the game. Um, and off-seasons are huge with guys and what they do in the off-season. Um and I guess you always hope that these guys, if they run into an injury or a Tommy John, it's nothing new. And it's something you have to push through because so many that came before you have done it and had long, long careers. And you just hope they handle it right. You hope they don't look at it as, all oh, it's career ending. It's almost like you look at it, for me personally, as like it's motivation. So almost in a way of like when you're – when you're at your weakest, you actually have to dig down, and that's when you find that you're actually at your strongest. And uh, and Julian used it as motivation. And again, that guy, like one thing about Jules, man, he is like he's a shredded up, well built individual. And it's just a matter of is he going to put forth the work to come back. And a lot of times when those guys come back from those injuries much like in minor league baseball or baseball in general, big league baseball, it doesn't matter. The majority of the time, that's what you're dealing with is adversity and failure. And not saying Tommy John or an injury is a failure, but it's adversity and you have to push through that. So um, I, think it's a, I think it's a testament to Julian and his relentlessness and what it was that he wanted to do. It was never a thing of, of, of talent and ability or athleticism. And a lot of times these guys eventually get past the point of talent, past the point of in-game production and getting outs, and it absolutely comes down to will. And obviously Julian has a big will, and, 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 it, and it's it paying off right now. Like, he's going to face some hurdles at the level he's at right now. Like, they're coming. They're coming. But you always hope that, like, maybe that injury or maybe that one bad season or maybe that bad outing kind of – I don't know. It's almost like they use it as armor, and they're a little more prepared for it the next time they face it because it's going to keep coming. And so it, it, does, it does come down to will in the end with these guys. And that goes back to makeup scouting. I mean, I feel like for you, getting you mentioned getting to know him and being sold on him. It, to me, that's a testament of, you know, you got to get the makeup right to sort out the guys who will respond that way versus the guys who will wilt under pressure. Correct. Correct. What was it about? What was it about Julian that you saw that gave you the faith he wouldn't be one of those guys who would wilt, and he would be one of those guys who would use it as armor? You know, one of the things like I, I was very fortunate when I came into Cleveland and became a scout. We had a lot of scouts at the time that were they were really locked in on on makeup, and they can call a spade a spade, and 
it, it was one of those things. I learned a lot from those guys. I always thought that I had decent judgment of character uh, and, and was able to discern a, a, a turd, if you will. But at the same time, though, at the same time, Julian was intriguing because he was an NAI program. Uh, little things that you would want, like even you, Kyle, if you're interviewing somebody or somebody's interviewing you, eye contact. Um uh, situations that they've been in in their life that weren't the easiest situations or that somebody didn't bail them out of, they had to bail themselves out or they had to pull themselves out. Like, there's an old quote, it, it's, uh, uh, what is it called? The, the, oh, dude, I'm losing it. But, uh, um, oh, man, I can't think of it. But anyway. It's what doesn't like, kill you makes you stronger? Yeah, kind of in that realm, dude. Kind of in that realm. And, um, and that was kind of what I thought with Julian. It didn't matter to him. He was very realistic about it. He knows he's at an NAI. He, he knows he's not at a Division One program playing in the Big Ten or, or the, the Big 12 or whatever it may be. And there was just a little bit of some, some fight uh, in there. Um, and he'd been through some things, whether it be family, whether it be leaving California, coming to Oklahoma to an NAI program just to play baseball. Um, and then what he did between his, his junior and senior year just to get better on his own. Like, there were some sacrifices in there. And uh, and those were some of the things that stood out to me about Jules. And, um, and again, he had some dings and some injuries early on. And, you know, those college guys, they, they, they leave college being on, like, a seven-day routine. And once they – and if they're starters, which the Julian, like, mechanically, delivery-wise, like – he was a projected starter. He had the delivery to start. He had the stuff to start. He had the weapons and potential weapons to start. It still affects guys. So going from like a seven-day, like pitching every Friday, to now all of a sudden pitching every four, uh, every five days. Like that's a real thing in the game. That's not a joke. And uh, and so guys get injured and guys have trouble recovering as fast or or you know, arm recovery or body, you know, recovering with the body and energy and things like this. And plus they're doing it at facilities a lot of the time in the lower levels that aren't conducive to just like, like uh, all the stuff you have at a spring training facility. Like they're making do, man. It's a grind. And, and so Julian had some of that early on with injuries and stuff, but he was also extremely um, persistent. Uh, he, he didn't panic if he went down. He, he, he continued to work. Um, and then obviously that meshes with talent too. You got to have some ability. And Julian continued to, uh, you know, the arrow to point up for him. And, and he continued gaining ground. He's got breaking balls now. He's got, still has a sick change up. And, and, and then obviously he's in a bullpen role right now in Toronto. I mean, the guy's throwing, you know, I don't know if he's thrown anything below 95 with a heater. You know, it's, it's on up there. It's pretty good. So. And he's always been a strike thrower. Always been a strike thrower. So, you know, and once again, Kyle, you got to be lucky with some of this. Any scout, not any scout, some because some scouts are that good. But you you got to have some things go your way with some of these guys. Like we're talking about, we're we're, we're going to talk about Julian and Cam. And in reality, do you know how many other guys I drafted that didn't make? You know what I mean? So. Uh, you know, that's all part and parcel of, of the scouting game. It, it really is. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned Julian now being with Toronto, and I wanted to hit with you on that because, yeah. you know, for a lot of scouts, obviously the dream is 
the guy you signed makes his debut with the team you worked for and signed him for. However, yeah. when a guy you sign gets traded for someone of Josh Donaldson's caliber and you see mm-hmm. what Donaldson did for the Indians once he got to Cleveland, I mean, what, what is that like for you? Is it, is it bittersweet as a scout? Because obviously you wish the guy would have made it, but at the same time you realize, hey, I brought in a guy who clearly had some immense trade value that helped our organization. No, dude. Not, like, like, you always want the big league team to do good. Like, that's like, we all wear the same colors, right? At that time when I was with Cleveland, I was navy blue and red all the way, you know, all in. But at the same time, when it comes to the player, if there's a better opportunity with another organization for that particular player, that's what I want for them. And if it helps us get a good piece at the big league level with all the dad gum work that the front office and the scouting department and player development do, then that's what you want. And if, and if your guy, or I say your guy, that's a, probably a bad term, but if that particular draft pick that you, you, you got to sign and he helps you get that piece at that particular time and helps that big league club win, that's what it's about. Because it's a good opportunity for, the, for, for say, like Jules, that's a great opportunity for Julian, and, it, and it's going to help your big league club out. By no means also would I, would I think that, that Julian looked at that as, oh, man, Cleveland doesn't want me. Because there's a flip side of that, which is Toronto wants you too, dude. So, so it's, it's, it's a yin and yang type thing. There, there's there's uh, a lot of positive repercussions that happen with that, and it's all about needs in the end. So uh, I, think, I think Toronto got what they needed at that point in time, and I think Cleveland got what they, they wanted at that point in time. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Merriweather was able to come back from his Tommy John, returned yeah. in 2019, made his major league debut this year. Uh, August 20th, comes in, first career appearance in relief, strikes out three of the five batters he faced. First and foremost, did you watch it? And secondly, I mean, seeing that immediate success, striking out three of five to, to, big league, to start your big league career, um, pretty special. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it, it's a long road for so many of those guys. Now my greatest wish for Julian, like a lot of guys sometimes can do, which it's very easy to do once you get there, it's like, oh, man, I'm here, I've made it. At the same point in time, now it's about staying. And so there's always something else. It's like you never, you never plan for anything without planning for your continuation. And he's achieved a certain thing. I'm happy for him. Uh, he's a great human being. He's a good, good dude. And now it's about, all right, even getting better at what you're doing right now. And, and, and last thing I'll say on that point is just as quickly as they get there, they have to be able to move on, man. you got to move on. Um, uh, and, and, and I hope that for all these guys. Uh, and it's worked out for Jules. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a great, great dude. Um, I still continue to talk to him to this day. And he's always received calls. He's never thought that that he uh, he's above anybody else because he's 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 got some grounding to him, man. I mean, these are humble beginnings where he came from. So uh, more power to Julian, and I hope he absolutely cuts down every freaking hitter he faces in the big leagues, man. Yeah, so far so good through three appearances, five and a third scoreless, two hits allowed, two walks, nine strikeouts. Been so far so good. So far so good, man. So far, so good. Greg Maddox always had a saying. Uh, I believe I have this quote right. I'm not going to quote it perfectly, but it was like, when things are going well, you need to make sure that you remember that because you're going to need it soon. So it's one of those things, man. The, the, the lower guys stay to the ground and stay humble, 
then the higher that they can be exalted or elevated, they can stay on top of their game. And I'm hoping that uh, for Jules and any of the rest of these guys that make their major league debuts, keep it simple, man. Keep it simple. It's the same game, just a little bit of a different stadium, if you will. Absolutely. So you sign Merriweather. He's your you know, The Indians take him in the fifth round. You get a guy in the draft. The following day, day three of the draft, the Indians select Cameron Hill, right-handed pitcher out of Redlands Community College in uh, El Reno, Oklahoma. You mentioned those Oklahoma junior college guys, guys you want to keep an eye on. There's always someone there. So, A, getting two guys in one draft is something I know a lot of scouts, you know, want but never quite get. You got it that year. Um, But you had kind of a special relationship with Cameron that went well before the day he was drafted. T- take us through the, your backstory with Cam and, and everything you did with him because it's it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's kind of interesting in the sense that uh, like Cameron Hill was a freshman at Seminole State Junior College uh, in when he when he obviously when he was a freshman and he went in there as like a two way guy so he had aspirations of uh, being a hitter and a pitcher and at the time I used to coach at Seminole State. So I had some ties there, and I knew the pitching coach, knew the head coach, knew the assistants, all that stuff, and I kind of was familiar with uh, their dudes, the guys that they that they had. I had spent two and a half years there, like within a two-year time span, so I was still familiar with it. Anyway, Cameron was this little bitty guy. He's like five, probably five ten, five eleven at the time. He was like 86, 87, and he might flash you eighty eight, but I just. I love the kid. I, I, I thought he had upside. I thought that he was a good athlete. And he always had this breaking ball that he could throw. And so Cameron got in there. And at the time, they uh, Seminole was like reloading as far as players. They started having more players. They, they ended up having like a JV, okay, at a junior college. And they used to be that way way back in the old days whenever uh, Lloyd Simmons was there for such a long time. Zero. Uh, legendary coach there. Anyway. Uh, so Cameron was actually on the JV and I knew the pitching coach and, and, and I told the pitching coach, like, I like this guy. And even the pitching coach was like, dude, why do you like this kid? And I'm like, he just reminded me of some other guys that I had mentality wise. So I was very fortunate, uh, before I got into scouting that I was at a couple of junior colleges and we had some guys that reminded me of him, such as Sam Freeman, Chase Anderson, Zach Stewart, Colt Hines. Like, there was, there was a mentality layer there that I liked. So he played above his level, even though he wasn't lighting up a radar gun. So I started developing a little bit of a relationship with Cameron. And, uh, um, and I was talking to him. And very seldom uh, in, in the real world does, does, does David beat Goliath all the time, right? There, there is some Davids. There are some Davids out there, though. And I thought Cameron was his kid. So he ended up actually transferring after his freshman year, and he went to a Division II junior college in his hometown at El Reno. During that time, I continued to talk to Cameron, and I continued to, uh, I don't know, Cleveland probably would have fired me at the time, but to say that there wasn't some some uh, verbal coaching going on and some things going on, I'd be lying to you, right? Um, so, so I just, I don't know, I, I, I was... Uh, I was partial to this young man because I knew of everything he was sacrificing. He he was at Seminole. He would have started for the varsity his sophomore year, but he took a hit to go to a D2 in a way. That's, that's the way the material world would kind of look at it. Um, so he went from a D2, I mean, uh, JD, 
Division One Junior College to a Division Two, and I kept track of him. I continued to watch him, and I would tell him I'd give him little little heads up and little things of like, well, if you could do this, maybe do that, blah blah blah. And uh, and it actually kind of took on a little bit more of a player coach uh, type type situation as opposed to a scouting situation. Knew his family. Uh, he was raised right. Uh, his parents were are, t- are tough people, um, and I knew that he knew what was right, knew what was wrong. I knew he was a tough kid. His dad was like a uh, worked at a prison. Like I mean, he was he was raised in a different kind of environment. Anyway, but a positive one though, to say the least. And he put in crazy amount of work. So it just so happened, and it's the one thing, Kyle's going back to that whole cross checker thing. I sit here and I tell our cross checker. I've got a gut feel guy at a Division II junior college, and that was Kevin Cullen, who's still with Cleveland, who's a freaking stud, by the way, still to this day. Um, and and I told him, he's at a Division II, and I'd really like for you to see him. And Kevin actually went in uh, and with a newborn baby daughter. He could have taken the day off, but he went to, to, to go see Cameron for me, and Cameron was thrown against Coda Glover. And Cody Glover was at Eastern uh, at the time. I believe it was Eastern. Yeah, I think it was Eastern. Anyway, so Cameron's throwing against Cody Glover, and I'll never forget this. It was it was kind of cool. Cameron said, he told me, he was like, you know what, dude? There were eight freaking scouts to ten scouts over in Cody Glover's bullpen. He goes, there was one watching me, dude, in my bullpen before that game. And that was Kevin Cullen. And, uh... And, and, of course, Kevin got to see Coda, too. We knew it was a little bit of a matchup, but uh, we actually got him cross-checked. Uh, and, and Cameron maybe flashed him 92, maybe touched a 93. And I just had a very, very strong gut feel. Now, I don't know if the gut feel is in play anymore in, in, in the scouting world, Kyle, but it used to be in play. And... At that point in time, I knew everything about Cameron. I knew how hard he'd worked going from 86, 87, then he was 92, 93. And I continued to believe in his perseverance, his mentality, his work ethic was off the charts. And that's where an organization, and again, at the time, uh, can't speak for the last few years because I haven't been with Cleveland, but they trusted their scouts. And I think they still do. I think they still do. Uh, and, and, and that's a very good scouting department. Um, and we ended up getting it. And I'll never forget in the draft room, uh, Mike Chernoff, he turned to me and he looks at me. He goes, Cameron Hill. And I go, yeah. He goes, you like him, right? I said, I love him. And he goes, we want him. Don't we, we want him to be an Indian? I said, yes, sir, we do. He goes, okay, well, let's see what we can do. And then, boom, made the call. You know, checked out, see what you know what Cameron was thinking because Cameron had also signed at the University of Pittsburgh to be a Pitt Panther, so he had a D one option there. And we got him, man. We got him. And uh, you know, his first year, his first short season, he was a starting pitcher. And then after that, they went ahead and threw him in the pen, and he he, he pretty much he took off. I mean, he handled his business and did exactly what he should do. He he, he did his job. And, uh, and then, of course, he got hit with, uh, with, you know, he had Tommy John a couple of years ago or whatever, and, uh, but he made some good impressions. And, and his mentality and who he is was real, though. Very real. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of 
that's kind of the Cameron Hill story, the short of it right there. Even though it's still long. Sorry about that. No, no, not at all. It's great stuff. I love the draft room where uh, Mike Turnoff just turns to you and says, we want him? All right, let's do it. Because I, I was going to ask you, I mean, how different was the process for a fifth-round pick? You know, again, even though it was an underslot senior sign with Julian, you know, guys drafted that high. You mentioned a lot of different guys get eyes on him. How different was the process when you're talking about a guy from the fifth round to the 17th round? Oh, man, that's a good question. Like, so I was very fortunate in my career. Like, I got to see, I got to see the, the, the introduction of analytics and the introduction to models and, and, and all these different kinds of schemes. And then, like, uh, um, or all these different kinds of uh, uh, way of putting value on players and then going into spin rates and all this different kind of stuff and track, man, and, and rap soto. So I, I got to see a lot of this come into play. Um, and at that time, in 2014, for me, that's when I thought that it was, uh, and for the whole baseball world, I would say the majority. Some teams were, organizations were behind others. Some were ahead, maybe. But, like, that's when they really started, in my mind, blending, like, the scouts' perspective and the scouts' grading system and the scouts' gut feel and the take, and their take, and, like, the industry and analytics and some of these things that weren't able to be graded at the time. So it was a really good balance there. Um and, and since then, I, I wasn't involved, as involved in as many draft rooms after that. I think I was involved with maybe two more, three more drafts after that. Um, but, but it was very interesting to see how they were going to balance these things. So going from a Julian, that I believe was whenever the senior signs that year or maybe the year before that. I'm not sure, so you got to forgive me for that. But like senior signs took on a whole new, whole new value. Like you wanted to get them. And, but at the same time, they could save you money. But at the same time, you didn't want to whiff. So there was some there was some pressure with the senior sign stuff in the sense of you don't just want just a random senior sign. You want a big league senior sign guy. Uh, so that, that it, it, it uh, put a highlight on those guys. And, and which also, at the same time, it makes scouts scouts. It makes them scout. You can't just write off a senior if he has some ability. Like, you're going to want to pay attention to him because that guy might provide a tremendous amount of value. You might be able to get him for a little less money, but at the same time, he might end up being a big leaguer too. So it was an interesting dynamic, and everybody was kind of figuring it out at the time. And uh, and Jules ended up being that guy. And then going into the 17th uh, with Cameron – it was, I don't know, it was almost like it maybe it transitioned at that point in time a little bit, and then we got into the teens, and we were more into the actual, maybe the scouts list. And I don't know that for sure, but I got lucky again, going back to being lucky. Like, I had a gut feel on him. I had seen him numerous times. I'm pretty sure us and one other team were the only ones pretty much on him. Um, and... And it ended up working out. But, but like again, that's the front office, that's your scouting directors, assistant scouting director, your cross-checkers. It, it, came, it came down to scouting, like old-school kind of scouting at that point in time. So uh, there wasn't as much information out there just yet. Now there's a ton. And, uh, again, you got to be lucky a little bit, dude. you got to be lucky a little bit, man. 
You mentioned you know, your passion for Cam especially just really, really shines through. This year makes his Major League debut. You know, what was it like for you seeing him make that debut? I, I assume you watched. Yeah, I watched. And, and he's very close with, with my family and my daughters and, and, you know, all that stuff. Like, like we're he's like a little brother to me, to be honest with you. Um, and we watched and he threw and all that. But when he called me and he told me that he had made the major league team, it's like I tell every guy. I've actually probably coached more guys that were big leaguers than I ever scouted, dude. But, uh, but with him, I told him, I said, all right. I'm done now, dude. Like I'm finished. It's like it's it's on you. It's on you. And uh, uh, and yeah, we were fired up for him. It, it was cool. And uh, you know, that's the one thing about baseball, Kyle. I think I think it beats. I think it beats. I'm not gonna say it beats every sport, but I think when it comes to will and it comes to uh, determination and work ethic and passion and all those things. Like there's baseball to me is where the normal guy can still make it just simply because of absolute unadulterated will and determination and uh, and vigor and and relentlessness and uh, that's one of the things I love about it. There's guys that have made it in the big leagues, dude. That I was like, man, I you know trying to be all egotistical, like I knew what I was doing as a scout or whatever, or even as a player development guy. Like there's no shot. And then, boom, they're in the big leagues. Like, you can't sleep on anybody, man. And, and that's what I love about baseball. And I think that's why it's always been America's game, you know, in a way. Sounds weird, but, like, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think a lot of people understand that. And then you see some of these guys who really come out of nowhere in baseball uh, as much, if not more, than any other sport out there. You know, and, and with Cam, you know, we talk about the excitement of making the debut, but you, you've talked about – Okay, that's just the first step. Now you got to stick in the big leagues. And, you know, Cam, it's not like he came up and got sent back down to the alternate training side and it's been, you know, an up-down situation. He's a full-fledged member of the Indians' bullpen right now. He's, he's held opponents scoreless in nine of his 11 appearances. He got his first career save. I mean, this is a guy who right now is in the bullpen for one of the, you know, top 10 teams in Major League Baseball. Um, just, just seeing him stick and seeing the continued success, uh, is that taking up even another level for you? Yeah, I mean a little bit, man. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty brutal when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like, uh, I I really am. Like, they, the bottom line is this: it's sick and and cool, and I'm happy for you and your family and all that. And his parents even know this too. And and but but there's like a no nonsense thing to this. It's like you got a freaking job to do, dude. Like, you actually have a job to do. And, and I think there's a lot of guys that make it and, and, you know, they fly on these jets and they get all this, you know, really nice food and, and, and they're, they're, they're treated in a certain way that it's almost like if you, if you don't have the right mindset, it could literally make you softer. It could literally make you softer if you don't have the right mindset or you don't have the right skill level. And, 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 and let's be honest, there's a lot of guys – a ton of dudes that are just as ambitious, that might be younger, that might even have better stuff, that are underneath them, and I'm talking about Jules and Cameron, that are underneath them from the lowest of the lowest level to the highest of the highest level, just beneath the big leagues, that they're coming for you. Like, this thing is real. It's, it, it, it's not a joke. Like, these guys get up there, and 
And until they're established, they have to continue to fight and and put out and produce and 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 and, and handle their business. So there is no time in my mind to uh, like like when he got that save. The, the one thing I tell all these cats when I talk to these guys, even guys in the minor leagues that I still have very, very close relationships with, is it is on to the next one, dude. Like, it is on to the next one. So what? On to the next one. And you have to have that mentality. Uh, I mean, heck, if you look at the best front offices, brother, that's the mindset. That's the mindset. It's like, yes, we won this game, but it's a, we're already on to the next one. We're already on to the next series. It's move, move, move. Because let's be honest. It's a meat market. Like, it is a meat market. Athletics and a lot of these sports, it's like, guy's good, he's talented, and then just as soon as he starts to underperform, you got somebody waiting on the wings, this, uh, waiting in the wings is just as capable. So you got to stay on point. And so now I'm happy for him and all that, but it's like, it's on to the next one, brother. Like, we, we, you got to stay on point. You got to keep your game tight. Doesn't matter if you get, uh, if you get up three times in a game and you never get in. And then you don't throw again for another five days. You better stay on point. And, th- and this is a training or this is a discipline of not the brain, but the mind. Big difference between the two. So that's where guys can start to slip. They start taking things for granted. And so, like, again, this whole answer to your question about it being special for me, it's like, was there ever any doubt? Like, wasn't this the goal from day one with Cameron? And it is the goal, and you've made it or you've gotten there. Now you got to stick. So you better keep those blades sharp, and you better stay on point, man. Can't be caught slipping at all. It's not that way. You'll get you'll get passed up really quick because Cleveland's got some dudes, man. So does Toronto with Julie. You got to stay on point. Absolutely, like you said, it's it's the biggest challenge is still ahead for these guys, and uh, they've obviously made it this far. And we look forward to seeing them uh, continue on in their careers. And again, we really, really appreciate you coming on to to tell us the uh, Julian Merriweather and Cam Hill stories. It's definitely cool to see them uh, doing what they're doing in the big leagues, and we're glad we were uh, able to have you on to tell us all about how it came to be. No doubt, man, and, and I appreciate it, Kyle. And you guys do a great job, man. You do a great job for the game. I, I appreciate your time, brother. Once again, that was Mark Allen, the University of Illinois pitching coach and former Indian scout, cross-checker, pitching cross-checker, pitching coordinator. Really, you can hear the passion in his voice for the guys he signed and getting these guys to the majors and seeing their debuts. And this is what it's all about. This is the passion that it takes to scout. And it's just great to hear it and uh, really, really feel it from Mark and hear all about his experiences and his thought process. And uh, as we said, we're very, very, very much looking forward to seeing how Julian Merriweather and Cam Hill continue on with their major league careers. Two underdogs in a lot of ways, an NAIA and a D2 junior college guy. Both these guys have made it to the majors, an incredible testament, and now their careers are ahead of them, and they're going to have to keep working, and we look forward to seeing all their progress in the years ahead. Once again, this has been another edition of the Baseball America podcast presented by MyBookie. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening. I would love to hear from you. For Mark Allen, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there.